Hello everyone. Welcome once again to Totally Local. Uh, we discuss local flavors and local flair with local people uh, everywhere around Monmouth County, Ocean County. Um, this week, well, first of all, I gotta I gotta introduce Leo. Hello, how's it going? Ah, you do that just so well, just <laughs> so, so well. So smooth. Sorry, I'm a little frazzled today. It's been a long day. Um, but this week we have a guest that I've been trying to have on here. It's been like for, since the inception of the show, I've been trying to get you on. I'm here. so happy to be here. All right, Jen Hampton, everybody. Hi. Yay! <laughs> I made it. I made it. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. All right. Let me mute this, and then we'll be ready to go. All right. Cool. Okay. How fun all yes. this stuff. It is. It's, it's a lot really of stuff. It's really organized, I have to say. I'm like, they, oh my god, this they is did very like profesh. they did a I think an empanada contest last night or a couple nights ago. So Christian was in here. Shout outs to Christian uh, who came in and set <laughs> everything up. Ming is actually down in New Orleans doing New Orleans, New Orleans, New, New Orleans. Orleans. Depends on where you're from. I guess it's, yeah, I don't know where I'm from today. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's down, he's actually shooting the, he's doing scenes for that Kevin Smith movie, the new one. So oh, that's cool. why he's down there. And then he might be doing a con. I don't know. He's always running all over the place. He's never here. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you see him for a minute, but he's usually just running around. Um, how's it going? Good, good. This is really exciting. I, uh, I'm stoked for you. I'm, this is really cool. Oh, good. That's And that's the same uh, energy since, like, the first day I met you. <laughs> you know, not everybody, you know, th there's that stereotypical attitude that people have in New Jersey, and it really doesn't account for all of the people. I'm not from here. Well, there you go. Punks <laughs> Punxsutawney? Yes, from yes. Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, what, what? where everybody says hello to everybody. So that probably <laughs> will explain a lot. Well, it was like when I first first moved back to the area you know i'm hanging out with my buddy ralph shout out to ralph who knows everyone Wherever he is. yeah <laughs> and um he actually introduced me to you and you you let me dj at the lanes i still on my phone as andrew top hat <laughs> yes he's in my phone the same way really yeah it's, i love it i thought that was name. his last name for me too ever. and then i said someone i'm going to see andrew top hat and they're like you know that's not his last name oh. like, obviously i know that's not well his i last didn't name. i <laughs> I, I prefer Andrew Toppat. It was a name I given like to it. me uh, at a bus station in Albuquerque, and I've had it ever since. Um, What's that about? Uh, well, it's a long story. Neither here nor there. Maybe on another podcast. Maybe when I'm like old and I have to do a little retrospective on episode, you know, 1000 of Totally Local. Totally. It'll just be me sitting here. Here's me. <laughs> and this is why. Um, but back to you, meeting me. Yeah. So, I'm uh, like, you know, I'll try to make it about you. So. <laughs> we can try to, like, interview each other. <laughs> That's fine. You came in here like interviewing us, asking us all questions. I have to tell you, one of my it. goals in life was to have my own talk show. I think you should definitely do that. So the premise of a talk show was a sex positive talk show uh -huh. where there would be five guests ranging from like my weird gym teacher mm -hmm. to my grandma <laughs> to a porn star to somebody in who was just an actress or somebody in and we would discuss different sexual sort of um, issues that no one talks about. That's perfect. I tried to pitch it to MTV, and they laughed me out of the office. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I think it's great. Yeah. I Is this kind of, is your brain just always going, thinking always. of ideas, yeah. just planning things? And how, how did, how did, okay. So Wait, you're let's from. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back <laughs> to the back to the back. Because, you know, we love Asbury Park. Mm -hmm. The Lanes was legendary. You you are one of the people that made as in my opinion one of the people that made Asbury Park like cool. Like what made people want to come here and hang out, and 
there was so much discussion about the lanes pre, post, whatever. And let's just all I want to say about that it was, it was legendary, is awesome. It won't be topped. Now it's new and shiny, and the sound is good, and there's no holes in the roof. But like, right it's on. not it's not the same. Yeah, you know. And the thing that people have brought up in like you know the litany of discussions and comments, I think Jim Norton one point said it best is like. You know, it's about people. Yeah, totally. And you brought all these people together, kind of what I was saying before. And you were just kind of open. It's more of like you have a more of a yes and kind of an attitude. Like, let's do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, the best quote I've heard about the lanes recently, and there isn't a day go- that goes by that I ha- I don't talk to someone about it. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I never hear good things, I think, because people feel ultimately guilty to tell uh-huh. me good things. Uh-huh. Um, but someone who probably only went to the old lanes once in a while mm-hmm. said, uh, I went there to see Gang of Four, Hell and yeah. he's like, <laughs> "You were like when we the old lanes was a place you never wanted to leave, and the new lanes is a place you can't wait to get out of." <laughs> so I felt like I don't. I was like, "Can you elaborate?" And they're like, "They just don't feel like they really want you to be there." Whereas when you and your friends were running, it was like, "Oh, don't leave, stay, yeah. stay, stay. Who cares if there's nothing going on? Stay." I would, yeah, you would go, or I would go, and like, I just walk in, and I didn't. I didn't really know who would be playing. I would just no one like, cared, yeah, really. and I would just kind of. I'm the type of I'm the weird type of person where like I don't necessarily always want to be up in the front, and it doesn't mean I'm not having a good time. But sometimes I just want to sit in the back and just sit down somewhere. Yeah, and enjoy no, it. I heard there's nowhere to sit either, which it's, is really a, like a frustration of it, mine. It gets it, it's it's just different. You walk in and it smells it smells new. <laughs> You know, and when you used to walk into the lanes, it smelled like you a know, myriad of smells. Yeah, you had something you know for everybody in there. So but for people that don't, don't know, know <laughs> you, yeah, or like what are they talking about? I have no context. You had I, so for like what yourself. I've gathered, you had some association with the old lanes. What did so you were running the lanes before? This became... must be a hard position for you. You're like, I gotta jump in, and I gotta have intuition, and I gotta figure out why this person's mm-hmm, here. Right. Mm-hmm. So basically, my friends and I, when I first moved here in um, 2004 had this opportunity to redo the bowling alley and turn it into a music venue and we had um, a really great relationship with the owner he was had owned it since the 60s it had been in his family sadly it was in something called eminent domain so mm-hmm. they weren't allowed and not to get into all the politics of what that means but the nuts and bolts of it means you can't change the use and you can't upgrade and you can't build up because ultimately the development group that owns the rights to that development because of its eminent domain they can just come and take it okay they can give you fair market value but of course they don't want to give you fair market value they don't want you to make your business successful because that would mean say that we took it from a business that was two hundred thousand grossing a year to a million they would have to give the owner a million So it was a situation that was beneficial to all um, as a 20-something-year-old to have a group of uh, creatives, musicians, and artists saying, like, oh, yeah, let's all do this. We don't need to get paid. We don't have to do anything. We have a clubhouse. That flew for about three years until we realized, like, oh, there's insurance involved and there's uh, plumbing bills and there's this. So fundamentally, the lanes always kept a certain sort of sensibility of, like, it's not for everybody. <laughs> Which, if you're a development company, you don't want that. You want it to feel safe for everybody. Our whole goal was, like, we couldn't change the outside because of this whole eminent domain structure that we were sort of stuck in. So we made the best of the, a bad situation for all. But what that says is that no one's paying attention either, and no one says no. So what I've learned most about my decade there is that if you don't say no to people, really cool things happen because no one's afraid of failure. Mm. 
So therefore, if say the outside looked yucky, which sometimes it did because it was a sort of a you know a building from the '60s that really needed updated in a bunch of ways, but it had really cool lines and it looked you know from the '60s. Mm-hmm. So um, let's say, how can we say this in a nice way? People that weren't necessarily adventurous would look and be like, "I'm not going to Asbury Park on Fourth Avenue. Like, there's nothing there." Right. And they would look at the outside and they'd say, uh-uh, I'm not going in there. And so our goal was to make it like that scene in Willy Wonka where they're on the elevator and all the parents are like, get me out of this thing, get me out of this thing. And then when you open the doors, there's this like kind of peaceful lull that you're like, oh, I'm okay. So that was kind of the sense of, and you'd see it on people's faces if they would get through the door because it looked really like, ooh. Yeah. I mean, if we were in Brooklyn, it would have been like, oh, this is a speakeasy, and you have to go into this old abandoned bowling alley to get to this really cool place. And so essentially we made our own private club without it being private. It was just there for people that were adventurous to try to have that sort of experience. So for us, not saying no to anything meant a lot of strange and unique and wonderful people and characters and places and things. It wasn't, it wasn't a situation set up uh, for big business. Okay. I mean – if we would, the one thing that when the development company did take it in 2015, the one thing that we were all really looking forward to was being a part of development because all of a sudden, our goals for this place, which was building up and making a hostel for bands to stay and people that couldn't afford the rents and other hotel rooms and stuff, that we would have made our own inclusive sort of entertain mini entertainment section on Fourth Avenue, but little by little, it's like oh there goes the fast lane, oh there goes the baronet. I guess our our grand scheme of our entertainment <laughs> block on in Asbury Park is dwindling. And so then when it became real and iStar, the development company that bought it, we were, we naively thought that we would be part of it. But what we realized is that, that um, it's like a club. You know, development developers don't necessarily want to hire cool, fun, unique weirdos. All to... that stuff is like, you know, they're like, well, what? That brings in a lot of what ifs, and they like numbers and, you know. Yeah, I don't fit into a... Um, I'm very confusing to them. I don't. They don't understand why an owner would have let someone like myself build a business in a business. <laughs> so it basically was a handshake deal. It was like, hey, if you guys are good by me, I'll be good by you. And that was great. And it's when you have to bring that into a multi-billion dollar corporation, and they're like, what do you mean? She owns the website and this and that and this and that and this and that. <laughs> it's like when you um, like peeled the layers, it was like this very strange situation that it would only work if, there was a person behind it that was like, if I don't let these kids take over my bowling alley, I might lose it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and, it, and we made, because we loved the family so much, it was a very symbiotic, everybody took care of everybody situation. But when it becomes like numbers and sense, and I think a lot of the frustration of that is just, you didn't even give us a chance. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't e- you didn't even take it for what it was worth. But then I realized now, three years later is that they didn't care what we did yeah. <laughs> because well, you built, we're a number. You built, but you built the thing that like people don't understand is like, for example, like just, you know, whatever random example, like Nike, they make shoes, but what's, what's the value in Nike is the swoosh. Like right. they make, made a brand and what you did was you made Asbury Lanes like a brand to where now people think of it, like all the, all the sweat equity, all the stuff you put into it is the reason why people look at it now and they're like, oh, it's the Lanes. But it's not the lanes, but it is the lanes. It's weird. It's really, I feel like in my opinion, it's a bad business decision. They should have called it like the lanes at Asbury or something like uh-huh. that. So that people won't go in expecting a certain experience and they're like, what? what? And and I think that at the end of the day, it's it, they're so dynamically different. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, we wanted to create experience 
they'll tell you what they want to create experience, but that experience comes at the cost of three security guards and people that have to wear the same shirt. And undercover cops at the bar. Yeah. And so, you know, when I found out they, no offense to any sports lovers, but we had very strict rules. For a lawless place, we had very strange rules. Um, No CDs were allowed to play. We only would let our DJs play vinyl, (laughs) which was, I think, more probably because we didn't have a CD player. Um, No TVs, because we wanted you to have a big sense of, like, you're here now listening to a band, so be here now listening to a band. Don't sit at the bar and watch TV. Yeah. If there was a TV on, they were allowed to play vintage movies from a certain time period that you probably wouldn't watch at home. So when I saw they were doing football on the big screen while, like, bands were going on, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is not my aspect yeah. of I don't know what this is. And then when I heard, like, little things, like, oh, the staff has to wear uniforms. Like, we were, like, anti all of that. We were like, oh, we want the door girl to be just imp- as important as the bartender or the chef because it, if this person doesn't do their job, the bartender won't get to do their job. Right. And I feel like... That's not necessarily, that was like my thing. I wanted to make sure that like you walked away from the experience of working at the lanes with a skill set. So I would try to get like, oh, you want to work the door? Cool. Can you also make a flyer or could, can you figure out, like we had this, we had this lovely woman who worked the door that's six feet tall. <laughs> Cause everyone's like, oh, you got to get guys to do security. I'm like, A, we're not going to have security and B, we're not going to get dudes to work security. Because I, when I first came here, the one thing that was like very off putting to me was like, walking up to a club and having, like, some big grumpy guy being, like, ID. Yeah. Like, that's my first experience walking into this place, like, or anywhere. Like, that sucks, you know? <laughs> so I didn't want that experience. So instead, we opted for a really tough lady who was, like, loved you or hated you. But at the end of the day, she she ran her post very seriously. But we had a need for someone to learn how to fix bowling lanes. So she learned how to fix them so that we could make sure that someone was always there could fix a lane because we didn't have the money to pay somebody, a bowling technician, to come in and fix it. So you would have people working at the lanes, but what you see them doing was just one of the things yes, that yeah. they were doing. You were really big into promoting cross-training them to do other things at the, at the yeah, lanes yeah, as well. Yeah, because I feel like, well, I mean, what what are you going to get from this experience when right. it's over? Maybe yeah. that will this will expand beyond these four walls, which was, like, what we were really big on, too. Like, so if you came to me as a 15-year-old kid or a 19-year-old kid or whatever the age may be, and you're like, I really love, let's say, black metal. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, I know nothing about it. So, and they're like, well, I want to do a show, but I don't have the money to do it. Can you help me? We would sit down together. They would teach me about music. I would teach them about how to book a show. And then that's sort of how I learned from other people. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I feel like it is sort of this ideal situation where it's, um, I'm going to learn from you and you're going to learn from me and there's going to be no egos about it because who cares? We're, we all want the same thing, which is ultimately just to have a good time. So that's probably where I think a lot of people, whether they knew it or not, they sensed that something was different. You know, I also believe that if you had security and they felt a certain way, they create an energy, not to sound like a, like a hippie-dippy, but I was raised by them. <laughs> <laughs> it's in there, but... I feel like if you had big security guards, ultimately you're going to do something bad. But if you don't expect bad things to happen, they generally don't. Mm. And we've been we were very lucky in the 11 years that. I mean, I think we probably had seven really big fights in 11 years. What What made it like how when you started off? Because there's been so many famous like big acts that have come yeah. through the lanes. Yeah, like yeah. what 
what attracted like how did you get those people to come into the lanes and like do stuff like all all i mean i can go down the list of stuff but like starting out what what were the things that you did to be like i want to get people in here how did they come through the door i think sincerity i didn't know any better uh-huh so you just would like <laughs> call people and be like hey could you show up yeah and do this? so i would write i figured out how to write a really like fun form letter and i we set up the the room looked really cool so it looked had a certain feel to it anyway and we'd take pictures and i would send like hi my name's juicy jen i'm writing from asbury Plains <laughs> in asbury park new jersey do you know about asbury park new jersey i didn't either until i moved here but let me tell you about asbury park and blah 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 but I didn't know the business of music. Like, it was never my goal to work in music. It was like, oh, wait, you have to have an agent and all that. Like, mm-hmm. there's contracts. Okay, well, so I learned along the way. But I'm sure tons of agents would get my email and be like, who is this idiot? <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God. But I feel like it, you know, like the yogis say, your vibe picks your tribe. So I feel like there's certain bands that that works for, uh-huh. especially ones that are, like, anti-establishment or, like, not into corporate music and stuff. And so... Um, at the beginning, the guy who started and put us all together, Mel, was a very strong individual. And so he would, he, because of his uh, group of people, whether that was like car people or car swap people uh-huh. or whatever, essentially they would listen to certain bands, you mm-hmm. know, whether that's old hardcore bands or garage rock bands. So I feel like it evolved out of that like niche market. This is what I'm into, and I'll just email them and maybe they'll come. Mm-hmm. Well, at what point did you realize? I, I think I'm onto something here. Like, what did never. you never really? <laughs> no. You never had a band come through, and you were like thinking, "How did I get this?" To John happen? Waters was there, and I was like That's a cool. total goofball because uh, he's like one of my. I love John Waters, and I was just like, I must have looked like a total fool. Like the whole day, I was like, "He's coming here in two hours. He's gonna be here two hours, three hours. Oh my god, how's everything look?" And so I feel like that was one of the moments. I was like, "How'd this happen? I don't understand. Like, why is he here?" Um, and you have these moments where you're just like, okay, please remember this forever because you can't believe, like, this will never happen again. Or, like, you'll see a band that you thought was, like, they're going to be famous. They're never coming back to Asbury Lanes again <laughs> because we don't have the capacity or it's just not the right fit. But I think anything great, you, I think there's people out there, there's visionaries, and I, I'm not saying that I'm a visionary, but I'm saying there are visionaries that know exactly what they want to do. I think sometimes that you, if you're honest with just, I don't know what I'm doing or I know what I'm doing and I think I want to, and you trust your intuition, you kind of just show up and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but it's only through retros, like looking back that you're like, oh, that's cool. We did that, yeah. you know? And I, I think when you're in the moment so intense, you don't know what you're doing. You're just like, okay, I have to get through the next six months and how do I pay for this? And how am I going to pay for more staff? And how am I, how am I, you know, and you're constantly troubleshooting and problem solving in creative ways that still is like, wait, this is still fun. Like, what am I doing? Because none of us made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like... It was like more we ca- passion. Yeah, like, we would have problems. Like, what's going to happen if someone hurts themselves? Because it's, like, it was kind of the same staff for a really long time. Uh-huh. So we figured out ways that, like, if we bartended, then each of us would give a percentage of the tips to a, a, a kitty. So if someone breaks their arm, we could help them until they could work again. Like, uh-huh. that stuff. And I'm like, oh, we were doing workers' comp. <laughs> I don't know why, but you know, because I just think it's it becomes such a family mm-hmm. that you're like, oh no, if Justin's out for X amount of days, that's really going to mess with him. So how can we get money to him? And you know, and that's kind of how we did booking too, because we didn't have any funding for booking. So mm-hmm. we would bartend, and then Lainey and I would take a percentage of tips, and other people maybe like, here's for the house, here's for the house, because I think when you're a team, the chef understands if 300 people are here, I'm going to make more money. The bartenders understand. 
there's 300 people here, yeah. I'm going to make more money. So they were like, we want you to book bigger shows, so how can we do that? So it's kind of cool that that happened. I, I mean, <laughs> it was super unique, and it's like, you know, I, I've asked people that, like, recently. I've asked people that a lot. I'm like, why isn't there another – there's no ball – there's no, like – seedy like basement bar in mm-hmm. and it Asbury Park like it needs some kind of something going on like that you know it's some sad. alternative I, yeah it's it's funny I, I for the last three years I realized that like I used to see maybe 20 bands a week uh-huh. I, I've maybe seen 20 bands in a year and yeah. I feel like for me it was never about just music or like the bowling was like the last thing we worried about in fact it was like fucked up. <laughs> oh my god the bowling you know like we got to get more pencils why do i have to order find more pencils and then people would ultimately complain because they're like this sucks and i'm like well you only paid ten dollars to do it for all night so i don't know what to tell you anyway but so i think that the challenge for me is now in entertainment as we know it in asbury park Mm -hmm. and a lot of my friends like i know um little mike and sam from the lanes are trying their their thing at house of independence and Everybody takes a little something from what they learned, yeah. which is awesome. I ran into Sam at, uh, I forgot my card there one night, and then she, like, I had to get in. It was some huge, ridiculous line. It was, like, 90s night or yeah. something. I'm like, just let me in here so I can get my card. And I'm waiting at the bar, and I see her, like, all the way, like, in the back doing stuff. So she, like, you know, whatever. I got to go in and get my stuff. And I'm like, this is great. She kind of told me what she was doing, and it's like, she wouldn't have been able to do yeah. that if she wasn't doing the lanes and you couldn't do the lanes unless you had somebody like you to just be like, all right, like, yeah, go for it. Like when I played there, you never, you never heard what I played or anything. And I got to play whatever the hell I wanted. You didn't care. It was awesome. You know, you just went by like Ralph was like, Oh, get some music in here. There's no music. Like get Andrew in here. Yeah. So it kind of, it's kind of a beautiful thing. And it kind of goes back to the idea of like, it's more about like the people and it's great that, from there, people could go on and, and do more things, yeah, and yeah. that there's, you know, there's there's life beyond like you know just a physical structure. Well, I, I would always hope that more of us would have done more to change things. Mm-hmm. But I realize, um, not to get this like the boring part of it, is the way that music has evolved in Asbury Park. Like when we were st- first started booking shows, people were like, no, like <laughs> that's where the the they called it the New Jersey sound. So it was mm-hmm. like cover bands. And like the Bon Jovi sound or the Bruce Springsteen, that mm-hmm. I don't know how to articulate what that sound is. Yeah, it's like uh, what's it called, Southside Johnny or the Jazz Lobsters, perhaps. <laughs> right, it's it's not my sort of passion, but yeah. for for a lot, that's all that was here forever. So when Hell you start yeah. to talk to bands and agents about Asbury Park, they're like, "Why?" You know, like that was the question because it was us, Stone Pony, and the Saint. Uh-huh. That was it. And Scott has done so much because, like, if Scott didn't do what he did at the Saint, we couldn't have done what we did at Asbury Lanes because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody sets the platform for one another to build off of. And I think that that's sadly what's forgotten right mm-hmm. now in Asbury Park. It's like, oh, in this lane you have Asbury Lanes and they have AEG and in this lane you have the Stone Pony and they mm-hmm. have Live Nation and then Little Mike's trying to do his thing independently, but how do you do that? if everybody's fight it's like creating booking wars yeah so stuff does get double booked where it's like you yeah. see it like there's like a hippie band one place on one night and then the same night there's another hippie band you know and it's like all right well there's too many hippie bands you got to do yeah. one you know stagger <laughs> yeah, yeah. that shit so i do think if you go back to like six degrees of separations of things that happen for reasons and the way they're supposed to work out like mm-hmm. if we didn't do what we did there are a lot of subset of bands that wouldn't be here. Punk, I don't think, would be here as much, even though it always had a home here. Yeah. You know, the Warp Tour was here. The Souls sort of did their thing to make ensure that their type of music was 
you know, represented here. But I do think that one thing that I'm proud of is that I think that it opened up other people's eyes to what kind of entertainment could actually be sustained here. Right on the water, too. It's crazy. It is crazy. I, when I came here, I was like, this is an oasis. There's no one on the beach. You, what, okay, so back to that. Like, yeah. what ma- what the hell made you come to, a- like, back then, Asbury Park was, like, it, it was, was wild. Yeah, so what, what were you, what were you? thinking coming here i was like this is heaven there's no one here (laughs) now i guess i was really wooed by the i came here um because mel had been working on old odd fellas do you remember that bar Mm -hmm. it's where taco was there was Mm -hmm. like a small bar on the one side and a large music venue on the other side so i I came here to see yellow man Uh i was like why is yellow man in asbury park and this like weird bar Uh uh-huh and so then I just very quickly met a bunch of people, and I was like, man, there's so many cool people, and I was, why are they all there? And then, like, I would see, oh, they're doing an art show on Cookman Avenue? Like, oh, that's cool. Like, <laughs> I want to move there. I want my, you know, and I just started being like, well, maybe I should move to Asbury Park. And everyone's like, what? No. <laughs> and then I, I guess Mel had lost the, the Odd Fellas, and mm-hmm. he had Dick, Deke Dickerson booked like at the Wonder Bar so mm-hmm. I went to that show and I'm like this is great and then he had a car show and, and I couldn't believe how many people showed up because mm-hmm. I was like there's no one in Asbury Park so I was like oh there's something happening here and he just didn't know what mm-hmm. and he's like I remember he called me up one day my friend Tina and I and said hey what are you guys doing do you want to come hang out and just like work with us we're going to redo a bowling alley and you're like yeah you are sure <laughs> and I'll never forget it we pulled up to 4th Avenue there were like these you know the old windy like parking machines oh yeah yeah they were like old tombstones <laughs> like some of them were like this and i was like do you think we have to pay for parking and i was like i don't think so and then i like one you could lift out of the ground and this old man that used to own the baronet walter came out and mm-hmm. said, what are you kids doing and i was like oh can we go in your theater pretty please and he took us all through the baronet and oh wow it was like this place is magic and someone forgot about the magic that's here and that's so cool so i think that and so long story short i was like some guy just gave you this bowling alley like that's that's who gives us someone a bowling alley around but you know when you start to again the fairy tale it was like oh shit i'm an eminent domain and i have to figure out they were only open one day a week yeah they were open on sundays for well, family bowling and they were open i can't even believe it would be open on a sunday for like family. in asbury yeah on fourth avenue <laughs> <laughs> for family bowling like families were going there and you know it's I also couldn't... strange too because at that time the way that um asbury was set up next to the ocean is section eight mm-hmm. which is wild so yeah. it just created a different landscape than you see now mm-hmm. so basically all of fourth avenue was kind of desolate or they were group homes or there was just no one here and you're just like i don't understand this does not make any sense this does not compute so i remember that day i also went to the beach like while they were talking about stuff and i looked up and i'm like it's like may you think somebody i, I think i saw 10 people on the beach that's crazy yeah that's crazy and i went to the you know and then i came back another month and i was like it's june now <laughs> there's nobody Still there nobody. there was like this stigma that was there my 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 you know my dad when he was younger he would go to Asbury Park, like when he was, like, he'd get like saltwater taffy on the boardwalk, so and then cool. like, yeah, yeah, you know, it was all great until like these giant riots like just destroyed everything, yeah. and then he was like, okay, well, you. So when I was growing up, it was like, oh, you don't go down there, you don't go to Asbury Park, yeah. like you'll get killed, you know. And I've known people that have lived down here, their houses got shot up, yeah, like I know things <laughs> like that definitely did happen down here, but also this is where all the cool bands would come, would be in this area, mm-hmm. you know. And the same thing that when I first moved back. 
that's what I realized is like, geez, there's like a lot of cover bands. And I had friends that were in cover bands. I'm like, why don't you guys have like a song that's not a cover <laughs> song? You know, but I'll everybody never was doing that. The cover band. You know, it's fun to do like, you know, I think some people do cover, but like they'll do that and then it gets people in the door and then they can kind of introduce sure. their own music. Yeah. But to just do it all the time seems kind of, I don't know, nutty. But anyway. So basically, I went to the lifeguard and I said, excuse me, why is there no one on the beach? And he said, where are you from? And I was like, you know, he, I said, is the water poison? Like, I was convinced that, like, there had some sort of cosmic like, thing that, like, no one went in the water here because something from Manhattan happened. And he's like, no one comes to Asbury Park to go to the beach. And I moved here probably two weeks later. That's so great. Because I was like, where do you, where is there a beach that nobody goes to? Yeah. It's like, I literally thought it was, like, my favorite, like, an oasis that I'd found. And I remember little by middle meeting people, and they'd be like, don't tell anybody about Asbury. Don't tell the New Yorkers about Asbury. I'm like, why? Everybody should know about Asbury. But, you know, now I'm like, oh. Yeah. That's what they were talking about. And I mean, there's something like I had I had Pat Fasano on here talking you about. Did? Oh yeah, it's hilarious. It's a great it's a great. Did you asked him why he sold out the lanes. Uh, he did. He did talk about that. <laughs> he, he talked about you know how if there was a piece of trash outside, he would get fined. There was eminent domain. He couldn't change yeah, anything on true. the building. So they really yeah. tied his hands. Yeah, yeah. He he owned that. Uh, he bought that broken down uh, hotel a couple blocks away. And he wanted to change it, and they wouldn't. The town wouldn't let him. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like, from what I understand, is uh, the waterfront development. It was always controlled by like one developer for some reason. It I'll break wasn't it down like... very easily for you. But so there's two sides to that story. Uh-huh. It's like Monopoly. Uh-huh. Pat's smart enough to buy Boardwalk when he knows somebody else has Park Place. And uh-huh. So it is a it is a it is a decision not based on passion. It is a decision note being like, hey, you know what? There's block-by-block development. So if someone would have told me this 10 years ago, it would have saved me how I could have tried to save the lanes. Mm -hmm. But basically, if you're on the waterfront redevelopment in the plan, you Mm -hmm. have to develop blocks at a time. Not one, Mm -hmm. blocks. So for I started to develop the hotel, they had to acquire every property on that block. On the whole block. That meant the house that was next to the lanes. That meant the house behind the lanes. That meant the lanes. That meant the baronet. And it took them seven years to get mm-hmm. all those properties mm-hmm. because the owner from Asbury Lanes would never sell to him. <laughs> yeah. So Pat was like, oh, well, if I can get this guy, Ralph, mm-hmm. to sell to me, then I'm going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. So that's really what happened. Yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like he won't, he's probably not ashamed of that. No, you know I mean, I mean like, no, he, he does what he does. I couldn't afford to buy the whole block. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford to buy that hotel. So yeah. even like what makes me most sad about the lanes is that nobody wants it really to be the lanes. They mm-hmm. wanted it just for the property because... Because of these weird rules. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and like I need this hotel, so I ultimately have to make it look as nice as a hotel. I mean, I think there was a comment was like, we can't have punk kids smoking cigarettes in front of $400 you know, hotel rooms. And mm-hmm. I was like... Why not? That's why people come here. Yeah. Like, it didn't compute my brain because I think that all of that adds to the vibrancy of a city. Mm-hmm. Oh, honey, look at the kids with the mohawk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so once all of that happened mm-hmm. and you were, I guess, out of the lanes, mm-hmm. what did you do? Well, then what happened? Oh, I know. Like, you're like, let's go back to that. Um, I think I was in denial about that not happening. I think that in my... Um, say this i was i'm very idealistic so i was like it's just a matter of time before they ask we're just waiting for them to ask us to come back and it was like little by little people from the city would be like you might want to move on no one would be like jen 
this mm-hmm. isn't going to happen. Because mm-hmm. I just thought, like, well, my friends and I created it. You want to keep it the same name, so why wouldn't we be part of it? Like, we are part of it. But that's not how business is done. Business is done because because I'm not an owner. I'm just a squatter, essentially, in their brains. So, like, I, they just had to get me out of the way, but in a peaceful way because nobody wants bad blood, you know. And, and for me, it was challenging because I think that um, I just was convinced that this will happen for sure. And all my friends that had worked at the lanes were like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Let it go. And and it was hard because it's not just, it's not a property for me. It's a project and it's people and it's a community. It's not, and I realized three years out of it now, the thing that I miss most is not the heat, not working. And, you know, it's not, there's nothing charming about living in a building that needs fixed. What's challenging for me is the community and the sort of, um, it became like a place that you could be like a factory, so to speak. So, you and I could have met and then we would have really got along and then maybe we'd start a business somewhere else. Or Andrew and I said, oh, you know what's really cool? This thing happened. We should do an art show here. So what made me the most sad and I think what I mourned, because I went into this sort of dark mourning period and I said I think what I mourned the most is that there is this lack now in our community of a place where people can feel truly comforted and not like um, – I'm a weirdo, or I don't have enough money to be here, or there isn't a place that makes you feel like it's yours. Um, sadly, and positively and negatively, we've been in, of, like invaded in Asbury Park. <laughs> so there's a lot of animosity because people have been here. And this happens in any situation where people have existed for a certain way for so long. Change is difficult. But you're getting a, a certain kind of group of people that feel very entitled. So, you know, in the past, we had the lanes to be like, well, they're not coming here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no good seating either. Yeah. Like, I go places, I can't just go and That's sit the down. That's true. It's you know? the truth. And it's funny, too, because I feel like, you know, it was part of, like, it's like you're in a war and you have all your soldiers with you. We don't and, have our soldiers. <laughs> well, now you just see them strewn about where you yeah. kind of point at them or say yeah. hi. And yeah. they're doing their thing and you're doing your thing, but there's nowhere to go where it's all together. But how does... So, like, for instance, we would have had a podcast at the at the lanes. Like, uh-huh. if he would have said to me, I have this idea, I want to do that. I'm like, cool, well, let me give you the key, because then what days are we not here? You could do it Wednesdays, because we're closed, or we have punk night, and da-da-da. So there isn't, for me, a place. So I had to find sort of ways to fulfill that, like, how can I help people experience the things that make me excited? I know that sounds weird. But I parlayed that into um, a mural project on the boardwalk because I just had, you know, for me the challenge of, because I'm a curator. So whether I'm curating groups of people to come together or music or art or performance, it's a matter of I want to put these things together and package them up and give them to you. And then I hope that you'll take that experience and package them up and give them to your friends. So it's this way of all of us creating this sort of unspoken community. And I didn't know how to do that anymore because I had done it through the vessel of music and, and performance. But it was what was challenging for me. I didn't have a home after the lean. So I said, well, what's the, what can I do now? So I decided to do a mural project um, on the boardwalk that um, I have an art gallery. And what was frustrating, what, one of the things, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but one of the things that's very frustrating for me is that just like the lanes, if you weren't brave enough to walk inside, you were missing a whole bunch of things that you were like, could have made you grow or upset or excited same with art like it can really affect you in good ways and bad ways but if you don't step inside a gallery to have that experience then 
it's done. So I thought, well, if I do one on the boardwalk, I'll make people have an experience. <laughs> so when did when did when did Parlor Gallery come about? Was that when the lanes came about, or when did? Yeah, actually, it came in two thousand six. The, mm-hmm. the night that we opened, we had Wanda Jackson at Asbury Lanes. Mm-hmm. It was really hard for me. I'm like, do I go to my opening in my gallery? <laughs> the opening night of my gallery, but I really want to see Wanda Jackson. <laughs> so what'd you do? I went to the opening. Yeah. I had to. So but now, it, what's really funny is it's on the Smithsonian Channel, that show. Because oh, wow. Bruce Springsteen sat on those, like, you know those boxes that we put over the machines in mm-hmm. the middle? Yeah. He and his wife sat there and watched Wanda Jackson That's like crazy. everybody else. Uh-huh. And so now when I see the show, I they pull up Smithsonian Channel, has a, like a little, like, 20-minute segment. And, like, they go to Bruce Springsteen's house and the flyer's on the the refrigerator. Dope. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? That's it's like, cool. those are the kind of wacko things that would happen at uh-huh. the lanes and I'd be like, Jim Jarmusch hanging out and uh-huh. freaking out because I'm like, why is Jim Jarmusch at the lanes? <laughs> oh my God, what do I say to Jim Jarmusch? You know? And then, what did you say to Jim Jarmusch? Hi. <laughs> would you like some French fries? And he said, no, thank you. And I said, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, now So basically, you're... Parlor started in 2006. Uh-huh. We started, uh, Mel started the lanes in 2000, like end of 2003. 2004, we really had it going. Mm -hmm. He left in 2005. So I literally took over the lanes and opened a gallery in 2006. Mm -hmm. And that's, is that like, is the parlor gallery kind of your main? I know you have a lot of things. (laughs) You do a lot of things, but is that like your main, like? Well, it's strange. I went in an art gallery because I was so excited about how people got excited at the lanes when Mm -hmm. they would see art on the wall. And I was like, am I really in a community of people that don't have art? And I started (laughs) looking around. I'm like, there's art, but... I realized it wasn't sort of the kind of art I liked or maybe the art that people liked at the gallery. So I was like, how this is going to be so easy. This will be my side job. This Uh is where we'll have meetings about the lanes Uh outside of the lanes when that's too cold to be in the lanes. And so I think the gallery was born out of like, um, what else can I do? Uh And I feel like now it's like, oh, this is just one. I got to do something else. Uh Like I love Parlor Gallery. It's, It's like another child, but it's a different. I don't get enough back from it. I know that sounds selfish, but it's like. At the end of the day, it's a retail business, mm-hmm. and you're waiting for people to come in. And then you're so excited when they come in that you're like, don't get too excited. Don't tell them about all the stuff at once because you want to tell them about the artist that made this and, oh, what the show is about. Mm-hmm. And it was easy for me to have that sort of excitement and, like, jam it down people's throats at the lanes because music, I think, is more accessible to people than art mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. And so, you know, I think music touches our lives more than art does. It's just not for everybody. So for me, I, f- I feel like I'm a matchmaker, mm-hmm. that I'm finding art and artists to align with people in their homes. I think what's really interesting to me is when you go back to 2006, 2007, and you have the lanes in this place, which initially, if you're just a regular person walking by, there's some bit of fright or hesitation yes. to walk in. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think that you're now doing something that has the reverse? Or maybe the same, because a regular person might walk past the art, fancy art gallery on mm-hmm. Cookman and say, well, I can't go in there, but that piece looks really nice. Yeah, or yeah. Maybe look through. So um, what do you do to try to bring a welcoming, yeah. come on in to, to the new place that you have? So basically, uh, Parlor, we called it Parlor because I wanted people to think it was comfortable or I don't know if I wanted it. I had three partners to begin with. I think I got outvoted. I think I wanted to call it Vandal or something funny like that um, to make it like less serious. Uh, so basically the idea was to have a gallery, a contemporary gallery feeling in a sort of casual space to showcase art that you might not necessarily see in this part of the world. Um, 
the challenge is still 10 years ago until we just celebrated 10 years of having a gallery it's the same problems does it matter how much money you make or how little money you make everybody's intimidated to walk into a gallery because i think it's empty so people are like oh my god i have to talk to her <laughs> or i have to buy something i don't know where that came from like do you go to a car? Well, I guess it's like if you go to a car dealership, would you buy a car? I don't know. I just don't understand why there's this like stigma about galleries that like, oh, if I walk in, I have to buy something. Well, I mean, yeah, it's not like if it was like maybe like the parlor museum. Exactly. You know? yeah. If it's then, a gallery, yeah. then the word gallery in and of itself is like fancy to me. Or, so, or maybe yeah. like even if even, or even if it had something a sign that says you know donations welcome oh, so I'm yeah. like oh, okay so I can just throw five out. yeah I can walk around throw five dollars oh, in the box. That's an interesting thought because we do get a lot now that Asbury's like known as this place to go do things and um, they're always asking what the cover charge. Yeah, <laughs> you just make it. <laughs> up. I've always said to my partner Joe, I'm like, should we just say five bucks? Like you know, but that, I would go all the time. Suggested like, donation. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, I just pay the five dollars. I don't have to buy yeah. a thousand dollar piece of art. <laughs> it is. It is a funny thing because it's. Uh, it's. There's something similar. There's an energy that runs in how I dealt with the lanes that I do with parlor, but it's just like it's such a different animal because you know it. it Asbury Lanes, we had a gallery in the back. And then it started to... The whole idea of having a gallery was something... Like, if you weren't into the band and you went there with your friend, and you're like, I don't want a bowl. You could sit at... You could have french fries at the little diner counter. You could go in the back bar that looked like a grandmother's basement. <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, there's art on the wall. That'll kill some time. You know, and it was like... To me, it was like just an extra step to have an experience. Because the whole idea was... I want to give people a different kind of experience they're not going to have here. So I think I take that to parlor gallery as well. It's just that it's the amount of people that want to have that experience is way different than <laughs> booking a burlesque show and getting people to come is way different than trying to get people to come to those an are opening. wild too. I never been to a burlesque show and sex then sex toy bingo. Oh yeah, you've would... been. Oh yeah, oh, you I was been? there. Oh good, oh good. That see that was born out of like oh. This night is so dead. What do we do? And I remembered I went to a fundraiser in Philadelphia at a small bar, and it was sex toy bingo. And I was like, we could do it way better. And that was how <laughs> we figured out how to get a, a wholesale account at a sex toy factory. The host would go to the factory and pick out. Then they like we had a salesman that would call us and be like, oh, you should really check out this double-headed blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. <laughs> I can't tell you how many cease and desist letters we got. Oh man, really? Yeah, we just wrap them up. For for what? What would they? Gambling. Oh, <laughs> people are crazy. I was like, come. I would write letters back. Come. We're not giving away money. I, I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't money. <laughs> man, we were doing so good with that too. That bummed me out. We had like some porn stars that were interested in coming to host oh. with us, and of course, Ralph was like, "I'll help you out. I'll help you out." He's the one who brought me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I was like, man, we're getting so good with this. That was another one when the lanes closed. I tried to sell a bunch of our shows. And sell by sell, I don't mean financially. I mean just will you take us in? Mm. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Nobody would let me book burlesque shows. Nobody. It's... I don't want to take that liability. I don't want to. So, like, that was something that I was like, I don't think I could book nightlife at this point because everybody's so worried about their bottom line and how many drinks are you going to sell. And, well, what, what does this mean? You're giving away sex toys? What is, you know, like... <laughs> That's what I mean. I was I was gonna like ask you about that too. Is as far as like, is there space like west side, north, anywhere of Asbury Park? Are you just like, are you 
do you have that desire still to have a music oh, venue? Oh yeah, for sure. But have I don't want it to be. It? Yeah, all the time. Do you do you have like any any like do you make any strides or is it just like not Asbury Park? You'd have to do it somewhere else. Um, Asbury Park does present a huge challenge. I see what Sam and Little Mike are going through with the lanes. Uh -huh. or, or sorry, the House of Independence, and it's like, oh my God, fighting for shows. Yeah, like. It's ugly business, yeah. and it's like at the end of the day, this is really for all of you to sell drinks, mm -hmm. and that's a challenge for me because it's like, no, I want to sell experience, and mm -hmm. I want you to take something away that's not going to be like, oh, I don't remember what happened, you yeah. know, and that's hard for me because I realized at that point that I need like a private club where people are members, and they come, and I don't have to worry about somebody reporting oh, awesome. if they saw a nipple or a <laughs> vagina, God forbid, you know. Nipple hotline. We saw one. Get over here quick. Yeah. But I feel like that would happen now. That would be, I mean, that would be great because that's how they used to do it like before like raves, like back in the day totally. with discos and stuff. Yeah. They would have like a membership and you'd pay and then you would go, you'd have your card and then no one would friggin' bother you about what was really, going on. Because really, I don't want to be more than around 200 people. Uh -huh. I, Seriously. It's not for about masses for me. It's about, it's like quality versus quantity always in my life so it's like i'd rather have 20 people that really wanted to experience something than like 200 that are like i want to experience so many things now <laughs> <laughs> well that's so like when and i talk about i talk about me djing on here probably way too much and leo's sick of it but he saw my my last show where i had a melt like a internal meltdown where i was yeah. like this fucking I left. sucks <laughs> I think I'm, did you? Now. I'm done he was just, yeah he was looking at me like and i was just like no one cares no one cares what i'm doing this is so stupid i put on like dolly parton nine to five i'm like see i can put on whatever it doesn't matter i mean that's I love a great that. song i know i love that song but like people were anyway i don't want to get into the whole rant again but my point is is that you know, when I played at the lanes, it wasn't like who cares if anybody listens. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I would just play whatever, and but if you like weird, it, weird though. Like, it's you didn't it's, care. Well, it's like back in the day when people, when DJs first started, it's kind of what you were talking about—a curating experience. You know, you would be the taste maker, yeah. and people would say, "Oh, you know, something's going on. I want to experience it. Great. I'm not going to go in like this person's a jukebox and request what to do. I'm going to experience it." And you know, now like t towards the end of what I was doing, it was funny because like. Whoever was booking the stuff would be like, well, how many people can you bring? And oh, I'm like, I, I can't bring in anybody. I'm I not going to bring people. Are you kidding me? I know. And that's, for me, is the challenge. It's like when people, <laughs> this is so mean, but when, when DJs would bring us their, like, reel, uh -huh. and, like, their we were like, what, what kind of machine do you use? <laughs> we were like, nope. It was like the more technology. Nope, we know what the, we know what they want. They're gonna bring like they're gonna play every dumb hip hop song. Like no, there's gonna I like my whole goal was like I want to book DJs that are gonna play music I don't know because mm -hmm. I want to learn. Yeah, you know. And so like if people would bring us r resumes, we'd be like, oh yeah, okay. And they're like, no. That was like, <laughs> the sound too at the lanes. Like JoJo set up. As far as I know, he set up the yeah. sound, and I'd love it when he would be there. Yeah. And I would play because I would just play songs so I can go and stand in front of the speakers and listen to them very loudly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there was a time where I played there where um, there was this, uh, it was like a family, must have been like a local family, and they were bowling. And it was like me and James <laughs> That Vance. was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> they, the, this, the, we, there was a smoke machine that you guys had set up. Whatever. And we would we would just hit the machine. It's so fun. And just play loud music. And the, the little kids that were in the fan, they just came over. And the one girl would like go in front of the smoke machine. It would like blast that her right so in the great. face. Then she'd go stand in front of the speaker. And I'd have people like come into that, like random, like come into the lanes 
not knowing what the music and not was. Caring. And yeah, and they yeah. would just start getting wild and stuff. But yeah, you should definitely like Like I don't understand to this day and age when people tell me how much the sound sucks there because uh-huh. I'm like how could we on our shoestring <laughs> budget put stuff together to make it sound bad like uh-huh. I don't get it but uh-huh. then I realized like they had a designer design the sound system so yeah. it's not it's like a different ours was like people that loved music and that's like we're hanging out in there would know like this is what it's going to sound like you know here's the space of yeah, the this room. is it yeah yeah so I mean I, I guess if you were planning on making a speakeasy yeah, yeah. you w- couldn't really Tell us if you were making a speakeasy. Oh, I can tell you that I, at this point, it's just about finding the right building mm-hmm. and under like the money part is always a problem. I said the challenge of Asbury Lanes was always this: I could have found twenty people to burn it down, but uh-huh. not one person that could have invested in it. Uh-huh. And that's like the sad part about it is that at the end of the day, it comes down to this: I need financial help because I just don't have it. And um, I think for me, the only way that I would do something is like that, where it's a very curated experience. Mm-hmm. It's only, you know, whether the memberships are given away to, lo- like, local creatives, um, and then other people have to pay for them. Mm-hmm. But it then that takes away that, like, you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. There's a wacky dinner party there. I don't know what it's about. They're only eating candy. <laughs> okay. That sounds amazing. Right? <laughs> They're having a six-course candy tasting and a weird DJ. All right. Okay. And it'll essentially weed out. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it's like, it's about having art, music, and performance all together. So ultimately, when I go out, I'm always like a little bummed out because I'm like, there's nowhere to sit mm-hmm. and have a conversation. Nothing memorable. If the band sucked, you're you're not walking away from that experience with anything except for, well, that sucked. Mm-hmm. You know, because you went there to see the band. I think that with the lanes, if you went there to see a band, the awesome thing was the band was great, but oh my God, I had these weird tater tots with this <laughs> strange girl that threw them at me. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? I saw this weird piece of art, and so it's like it becomes complementary to what you've already experienced and you knew you were going to have a good time. So mm-hmm. I think that for me, that's what's missing in Asbury Park is that idea of like, we all want to be in the same sp- We're all on the same path. We mm-hmm. want to be together and have conversation, have a nice drink, you know, hear some music, See some weird shit. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> so, so are you doing anything like that at the Parlor Gallery? Do you have any events coming up or interesting experiences happening? Or is that not a thing that ever happens there? Um, the Parlor is challenging because of the space. Um, it is a very, like, if you've never been there, it's a very, like, long railroad. Mm-hmm. It's very wide. It's perfect for a gallery. I think we've been the only tenants in there for 10 years. So it's um, when you think about sort of, like, hanging out, we'd have to do a lot to the space. And then... The challenge of art on the walls when people are drinking is always a present challenge. Like, we just had our 10th anniversary. It was packed. It was awesome. It felt like a party. I, I was, like, picking. I felt like I was at the lanes again, picking up drinks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I look over. I'm like, oh, there's red wine all over the wall. Oh. <laughs> you know? And it's like, so I definitely, I think this, and, and I think sometimes, like, everyone was like, well, why would you not do the lanes again? Not, the lanes is done. Like, that's something that happened. And it was a synergistic thing that happened because we had to make a bowling alley work. Mm-hmm. So everything were choices based on the fact that we were in this weird, odd-shaped building, the way that the speakers were done, the way that the art was laid out, the way that we were laid out. So I do think I like the idea of curating a space um, and letting the space dictate what it needs to be. So I think parlor for me, it would be challenging to do what I would really want to do without, like, a kitchen or someplace that you could pick up glasses and watch. Like, I hate mm-hmm. plastic glasses. Mm-hmm. Um that was when the tides were turning at the lanes when they made us get rid of all the glass. I almost quit. Yeah, I remember I'd get my drink, my gin and tonic, it would uh, be in a glass. I was like, this is great. And I'd sit in the back and nobody would bother me. I have boxes it. of such cool 
glasses because uh-huh. Lainey and I would we'd be obsessive about going to like I meant to flea markets mm. to get glasses. I meant to bring in these. Uh, I have the chips. Yeah, yeah, I have all like someone these... stole. We had all, like thousands of them, uh-huh. and someone stole the box. Oh really? So somebody out there has. I just remember JoJo handing him to me at one point whenever I was playing there, and he's like, "All right, you got to give these back." I'm like, yeah, "I'm gonna give them back, sure." And then no. like I woke up the next You're day, like, and no I had one's them. giving back. I was like, "Oh shit, I have these still," and then you know I just have them now. So I do believe that I'll do something again. I think the challenge just for me is I just thought it would be easy to parlay what I did at the lanes into something else. But what I realized is that everybody liked what we did, but they didn't want it. It's like, oh, I really like that stray cat, but I don't want it in my house. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. I mean, it's kind of like I just watched a, a documentary on like Studio Fifty Four. That was and, great. Like, like you can't recreate it. Yeah, but that's the thing is like it comes, it's it's there, and it's not. The beauty in it is that it it can't. It it's in the impermanence of it. Like it couldn't sustain. Like Studio Fifty Four couldn't sustain what it was because no. it would just, yeah. you know, go off. You just can't basically. So the fact that it was there is like you have to appreciate it. You have to appreciate yeah, the yeah. people you m- met along the way, and but it's still there's that desire to have. For a lot of people, I think you know, and, have something yeah. to just go to, you know, and it's it's weird. It's weird reading like a lot of vitriol on like the comments of Facebook and That's people crazy. saying like. You know, uh, it was this, it was that, like, You're like this, did you go that. There? Yeah, I know. I'm like, <laughs> I never saw you there. Yeah, I'm like, you didn't, you know, when when there was like a giant, like, like it looked like the apocalypse hit outside where they were like bulldozing everything. Wasn't that like, wild? Do yeah. you realize we all went, we, you realize like we were functioning a club with a hole in the ground. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is absolutely illegal in every sense of the word, and no one's talking about it, so I'll yeah. just go with it. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't really, it's like controlled chaos. You kind of have to roll with it. Um, it is, it is, um, it's a sad state of affairs when people are like, well, they did, you know, the, at the end of the day, it's only just going to get legendary because they didn't do anything that compares to it. Mm -hmm. Or, and I think that was smart. I I think it would be silly. Like the fact they have spin class and, Mm -hmm. and stuff Mm -hmm. is like funny because it's like, let's see what the lanes did. Oh, they did punk rock aerobics. We should do a spin. You know, it's very like they're not doing anything that compares. So as the time goes on, everybody's memories become romantic with the space. Oh, yeah. You don't remember like, fuck, remember they had no heat? Or like having pool, like there was water on the ground. You're like, where is it coming from? I don't know where it's coming from. So I do think that that's kind of funny because as, you know, through the mourning process, you go through whether it's a person or a place or a thing or a time. Um, the best advice that a stranger gave me, believe it or not, I was preparing to do a TEDx talk last year mm-hmm. about my Lane's experience because it was a weekend before they were going to open. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm getting my story out first. Uh-huh. But I couldn't get through the monologue without crying, and I didn't want to be the like, oh, look at poor uh-huh. Jen. She lost the Lane. She's crying. you know. So I was like, eh, it's not the time. I'm just not going to do it. But it was a good practice. Mm-hmm. And this woman that was doing a talk was doing a talk on how people are becoming – she works for brands, and she's a brand – she helps develop brands, so she does research on brands. And so what she said is the sad state of affairs is that the way that we are going as a society is we're becoming less curious. Mm-hmm. So curiosity is something that we're losing, that sort of practice. And I and she said, it sounds like what your place is was all about curiosity. And yeah. so therefore, how would it have existed in this day and age where people need a very strict box to be in because they're – Here's my friends, and they're on my phone, and I know exactly where I'm going because I read this article, and this article told me to go here. And You guys don't fit into any of those things. So she's like, you know, I'm going to give you this word of advice, and you don't know me, and I don't know you, and you can take it for whatever it's worth. But 
she's like, I used to be in theater, and basically when a theater would run, like a theater performance would run, you'd have maybe one year, five years. But at the end of the day, you, there was always a sadness and a mourning process because you realized that it was something that you gave birth to that you had to give away because no creative endeavor is supposed to be your own. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be given away. So I, I try to think that it was like my, like, okay, it was for everybody else, and everybody else will take from it, and it'll go outside these four walls, and it'll grow. And I think you see little spots of it. Yeah. For sure. Like, yeah. I'm, I, I try to do the, like, if this didn't happen, this wouldn't happen. And if this didn't, you know, and, like, mm -hmm. if you if Elaine didn't, didn't exist, what would have happened to our community? And, like, is it really matter? Or, yeah. You know, and you go into this big, like, heavy-duty thing, and then you're just, like, it's kind of sad that you think that, like, it it presented something at that time made sense. Mm-hmm. But how would it make? How would it translate now? I think that we would be fine. But like, I mean, you wouldn't. It couldn't exist. It would have to exist in another town or another part of town or just somewhere else. It couldn't be where it is because now, I mean, it, it was kind of like this tidal wave that was just coming. To, like you see it like years out. Like okay, here's a oh, there's more people coming from out of town. Okay, yeah. this building's gone now. All right, this hotel is going up, and yeah. like you just kind of saw all these little things kind of happening right. to where. When people complain about a private beach being constructed on the you know on the North Beach, like I'm like, yeah, no shit. Like you guys are complaining now. Like where were you two? I'll tell three you years why ago? they're complaining now because they spent half a million dollars on their house uh -huh. and they feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, I gotta get involved. And I mean, I think that's the you know not to get too far off into the minutia of uh, gentrification, but the one thing that is gonna be great about it is people are gonna come here and they're gonna fall in love with this town and they're gonna fight for what they want their community, what they fell in love with. It's mm -hmm. like. I came here and I invested in this town because I had this experience. So when people start to take those experiences away from them, they're going to get pissed and mm -hmm. they're going to do things about it. And, yeah. you know, they're rich people that have the means to fight yeah. when our city doesn't. And yeah. that's pretty cool. And, and I think, but I feel like we're going right back to like 1920s. If uh -huh. you know the history of Asbury Park, it's uh -huh. like, oh yeah, we're going to have these giant structures on the beach where only the uber rich can live. And then all the service people that feed the uber rich are going to live on that side and you know it's it's the same uh, well it's yeah it's a cycle I, it's that's that's kind of what it is i mean hopefully you know god forbid it gets burned to the ground again but like you it know it would be interesting <laughs> makes a good, good pictures good photographs yeah. good instagram like look it's on it'll fire it'll be very instagrammable <laughs> it'll be great for my story <laughs> So, I mean, what's what do you I'm so excited you were at Sex Toy Bingo. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I, I made I have so many videos of like moms doing the like blowjob competition and like the guy that won the most works at Starbucks and like <laughs> everyone's like, "Thank you so much for doing that." I'm like, "Oh, it's so great." Do you have like, like a lot of pictures and video and stuff from the lane? Not enough. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Because think about it, from 2004 to 2000 what 13 or whatever it was, 14, it's like we didn't use like that's so sad to me we didn't we had so many things that just have to be remembered mm -hmm. because it was like you didn't have phones it's hard to describe too like you know like uh the last the last couple few big shows that i saw there um was uh a track was there that and was I'm wild like, everybody oh, that was weird it was like all underage kids on molly and i was like wait <laughs> what is going on and they're like vice is doing a show here they love the lanes and the eight tracks coming and i was like really yeah i remember like coming into work being like so when is this happening three days three days from now we have to get the place ready I and just... the kid that one of the kids that booked it from vice wrote like the best article which was basically like i went to this weird place in asbury park and I think it could have been the drugs or not the drugs, but I was definitely stuck in a pinball machine. And I was like, that is the best. That's the best.
best compliment we could have ever gotten. So, yeah, that was wild. There was that show was crazy. Uh, and then Coolio randomly doing a show Little there. Mike was like, I want to book Coolio. I'm like, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. And he's like, why? And I'm like, that's just... No one really come on, and it was just like I'm doing it, I'm doing it. I'm like whatever, no one's coming, and then there's so many people. It was people insane. There. It was crazy. I was like, I guess I'll eat. My I mean, what the beauty of booking at the lanes and why you saw such a diverse calendar is because we had a collective. We were called the Little Death Collective, and everybody brought to their table what they were into. So like, I would bring performance. Uh, little Mike would bring like punk bands or like pop punk bands. Lainey, because she was dating Pete from the Souls, would bring all that contingency. So all of a sudden, you'd have this very kind of well-rounded jack the ripper would do weird nights that no one would come to that were the best <laughs> we'd play like eraser head in the dark and people would walk in and walk out really fast <laughs> we were like this is the best <laughs> um and so i think that that's sort of also what you won't see anymore mm -hmm. which is a, a super curated experience i think little mike's trying to do it but mm -hmm. we're also in a different age like they had 400 people pay to see a disney sing-along band yes the little merman that's what that was yeah I would have gone to see that. <laughs> These people are so smart. They dress up like the characters. They sing the songs. They play the video on the screen. They have curated drinks. They have a step and repeat. Oh, I'm so mad. I oh. missed that. <laughs> you can still see it. It what, comes often. What do you think, like, the difference is between, like, Asbury Park as a town and, say, like, Austin as a town? Like, if you go I've to... I've never been to Austin. Oh, really? No. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's more of, like, a liberal vibe i don't want to put like a political lean on it but it's like there's always shows going on mm -hmm. it's super friendly there's there's just stuff going on all like throughout the week and it just doesn't feel as i don't know it just doesn't feel as co-opted as yeah, asbury yeah. park has become i think that what's sort of sad about asbury park currently and i'm sure many people like this has to be the debate of like the last year it's like oh you meet people like this is the greatest i'm like three people developing the town is not the greatest yeah. because it'll all essentially be the same color gray or the same structures or the same, you know, and I think with Austin, you probably have more people involved mm -hmm. in the in the development because it's a much bigger place. We yeah. keep forgetting Asbury is 1.6 square miles, so it is wild that we're even getting this level of development here. Yeah, The ocean is obviously what's driving it. Um, it's weird, though. I don't know how Austin happened that way because... Um, I mean, I guess you're right. It is, it is bigger, you know? Yeah. And then the three develop like the idea of this the you know it was corrupt, <clears throat> yeah. it was corrupt for so long, and then once once those people went to jail, yeah. then the corporations came in, yeah. and the things that the corrupt people put in place helped the corporations today. Yeah, like so, do you realize like, that on the waterfront in the redevelopment plan, there it will be no affordable housing. Yeah, none. you know how insane that is. Like in Tribeca, there's affordable housing for artists and families and buildings. Because it helps diverse communities. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. No. So, uh, it's just, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's for somebody with a bigger salary than myself. But, like, it's just, <laughs> I wonder if it's, like, sustainable. It's not. Of course not. That's why, like, oh, it's, like, back to 1920s again. It's, uh -huh. like, there's no foresight. It's, like, oh, how much money can we make as fast as possible? And I, I do think that there will be good things that come out of that and bad things. That yeah, come I out love of seeing, obviously. like, my friends have, you know, jobs, go work. They're, you know, I always run into people. They're doing stuff, like... Do I necessarily hang out, or do I just kind of see them say hi and like pop out? Like that's that's the difference. But like, now. would you have thought that like six years ago that we would? I would have never thought that like our community of people would be people that you run into or just see them on Instagram. Or like, yeah, that's the one sad thing for me. I'm like, I would see people all the time, and now I feel like because we had this shared experience or this catalyst that happened, it made everybody's life fracture in uh -huh. some way. And yeah. so I feel like 
wow, can one place and one time really carry that much weight in someone's life that when it's over, it's like, well, I'm done going out. There's nowhere to, you know, there's, there's that's stupid. That's weird. You know, but that, that's my answer. Well, like, I don't. There, there's, if there's something going on, maybe I'll go check, I'll go check it out. I definitely like, we'll go into town. I will see things. I'll see yeah. things all over town. I'll see things at the lanes. I'll see yeah. things at Bond Street. I'll go all over. What have you but, seen at the lanes? Um, I just saw Mike Gordon from Fish. Was he that wild? Did you, I'm sure you knew a lot of people there. It was a lot of, I mean, it was a lot of hippie type people. There was people I knew from out of town that went to that show. Um, it wasn't anybody, you know, from, you yeah. know, local, as, except for my friends that were there, yeah. you know. But, uh, you know, it was it was interesting. It's it's just different. When I go in there, it's not like, it's not where, it's, it's like a different building. It's not. Everyone said, like, when you're used to the building itself, going in the first time is very off-putting because you have to first smell. go through this. <laughs> is that really? Uh, to me, that's the thing that I noticed the most is because it's just not... It just smells like 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 new or sanitized or like it just smells is like. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a bad thing. I yeah. want to like I want to go in somewhere and not notice the smell. I don't want it to be bad or good. I just want to walk in and be like, oh, I'm here. I don't want to yeah. like be hit with like fumes of like polyurethane. I might something. be one of the few people who just really enjoyed the old lanes, and I enjoy the new lanes. Yeah. I mean, I miss. What the old lanes just was, you know, it had that grit. So great. You're so, you're the perfect example of someone to ask. So since you enjoy both experiences, why do you think, um, what was better or worse for you? Or is it not a better or worse thing? It's a different thing. It's just a different thing. I think it's, you know, it's visually for me, it's just, I just walk in there and I'm just staring around like, this is really pretty. Like what they've done visually, Mm -hmm. the lighting when the people are there, I'm just like staring at, I can stare at the lighting thing for like an hour and just be like, look, it's doing something different now. Look, it's still doing different things I haven't seen yet. I haven't been there, so I don't know yet. Yeah, it's really cool lighting and then just all the stuff they did visually is really, in my opinion, well done. But there's not that sense of a community. There's not that sense of family. There's not that sense of, I can just take my shoes off and, you know, order a cheap beer, you know. It's, you're going to pay a ton of money and there's people with attitudes who are coming to town. I mean, you know. The the, The the, people. The people. The people. Just come. And so there's that. So there's plus and minus. But, if there was a band I really liked, yeah, I who would. Who cares? You know, I mean, I, I think care. that's that's also like who cares? Like yeah. for me, it's not just the band. Like that was like my challenge with the new lanes is like you're missing the whole point. Like there's an authenticity that I think people will see through or not see through, and I don't know if that matters to people. You know what I mean? Like I I would rather wait to have a four course meal that was perfectly you know designed and stuff than have like a snack. You know what I mean? It's just the difference of like how do you want your entertainment so to speak fed to you you know will you walk away from that experience being like oh the band was really great um but you know it's that sort of thing and i think that most people don't really care and i don't mean that in a bad way i just don't think that like people are choosing their entertainment venue based on like is the art authentic you know (laughs) where i'm like i'm a weirdo i do (laughs) you know because i just feel like it's like um there's a girl that there's a lot of people that have very strong opinions about it. So I'm always interested in both ways. Like, why do you like it better? Why do you like it worse? Why are we even having this conversation? You know, that sort of thing. But the best story I've heard it from, like, someone's like, I'll never go there. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, there's you, you can um, support a band, and that's still important. So there was a band that she wanted to see, and she called that. She emailed them and said, I want to explain to you where you're playing and what has happened there. 
and what continues to happen and I want to see you but I will pay you directly but I will I refuse to support this endeavor of this corporation and they were like you're the raddest we put her on the <laughs> guest list gave her all this stuff because they appreciated her conviction mm. And she still paid the band. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you really can support a place without supporting a place. <laughs> like, she didn't drink. She didn't eat. She was like, I squatted, and I gave the money. You know, and I thought that that was really impressive because that's, that's most pretty... people just complain. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what it came down to, too, a lot of the time. Yeah, it's like, it. You know, and it's, it is it is what it is. You know, you got to appreciate it. There's definitely, like, the, the turning point for me with Asbury Park was when I went to the Asbury Hotel, and I went to the roof, and I looked around, and I was like, Okay, I saw it. Great. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. Like there was, you know, it just wasn't comfortable. I, I, and I don't want to sound like a hater. I, I appreciate no, no, all no. the things that have happened and are happening in Asbury. Like I said, but you definitely have to observe it and be like, this is different than than how it was. I mean, I think the first, the first thing that I noticed is when I didn't know anybody. I went to the annex oh, when yeah. I like, you know, first was living around here, and I didn't know anybody. And I, I'd go there. I'd see like prestige DJ. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like one day, it was like, "Who are you?" I was like, "What's going on? This is, where's the gross like TV that's in the back? Like, there's they changed it all, and it was all nice." And I'm like, "This is, this is weird. You know, this is not good or bad. It's just this isn't the same I place think anymore." The challenge for me right now is that Asbury's um, unbalanced. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, when I came here and whenever two thousand early two thousand, it was also unbalanced. It was like I really like it this way, but obviously it can't sustain itself this way. And I feel exactly the same way. Like this is really cool and I'm like I'm glad there's a whole bunch of high end things but it can't sustain itself. Do you so, think it'll like swing back like a pendulum like somewhere <laughs> like in the middle? I don't know. When we had the School of Rock Festival, somebody from the Adrian Blue Trio sat me down and was like, I just want to let you know I'm the spirit I'm a spiritualist and I want to let you know there's a vortex in Asbury Park oh, and that and he gave, he broke it down. It's like it's never going to be a middle, it's going to be either or, it's going to be this or that and I was like, yeah, okay. And then I was like, I remember writing it down in my journal and being like, "Oh, that's kind of weird." But, <laughs> but no, I think that um this can't sustain itself. That couldn't sustain itself. It's like, I feel like the best balance that we had was around 2010 and 11 when like All Tomorrow's Party came and Shepard yeah. Ferry came and like there were people coming and people investing and people doing festivals and you could close down a street and there was this sense of like something's happening and you, you'd see little bits of it and oh, Daryl Hall and John Oates is buying a condo. You know, mm-hmm. you would get all these like kind of cool things that would happen and you'd see a little like two steps forward and then one step back. I feel like right now we've leaked. Uh-huh. And now we're going to have to s- essentially like slide back and be like, okay, let's readjust some things because it's just the the wealth that they're uh, tr- trying to gain and garner isn't going to sustain itself because they're going back to the model of the four month a year yeah. sort of commerce, and that's just not going to work. How did did you did like the lanes have as far as like all tomorrow's parties go? Mm-hmm. Did you guys have a lot to do with that? How did that come about? See, this is the beauty of the lanes magical things would happen we had a birthday party for jonathan levine who's a gallerist from the city and he invited all of his friends and it was in october and no one was here and our street was empty and all the, these artists and people from all over the country came and they were like what is this place like, it's asbury lanes it's asbury park because everybody sort of had the same sort of like how is no one here this place is awesome this is a that fill that theater's from the 20s so Long story short, uh, Deborah and uh, Barry that started All Tomorrow's Party were losing their space mm-hmm. in upstate New York. And he was very anti-corporate music, and so was I. So we had a great conversation. He's like, I'm coming back to do All Tomorrow's Party because of this bowling alley. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> he totally did. That's crazy. So that was like the catalyst of like, we could do this here. So then they, I brought them around, and I introduced them to like all the developers and people on the boardwalk mm-hmm. and 
then Jonathan's like, well, now Shepard wants to come and do something. So can you get permission for Shepard to do murals? And can you do this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you so. curated all that when they when they put the. I mean, I think there's like one Shepard fairy. There's like one, one permanent left. one. The rest of them were uh, wheat paste. Oh, is it permanent? Is that mm-hmm. why it's still? I was wondering like why that one was stuck and then the other ones like yeah. All went so that away. one was made with um, paint and spray paint. The others were wheat paste. Yeah. They wheat pasted up. So, I mean, was that kind of a catalyst, too, or did that kind of give you the idea as far as, like, the wooden walls project Mm -hmm. and setting that stuff up? Yeah, so basically I've been asking for – so we did murals at any wall that was kind of coming down on 4th Avenue. Mm Porkchop would do it. Other artists that would come in town would be like, I'll paint that wall. Mm -hmm. Um, They were usually illegal. And after Porkchop got arrested for doing one, I was like, wait a minute. In Asbury? Isn't that crazy? That's wild. (laughs) Now he's like doing all kinds of buildings. I know, he said, you know, we got interviewed for a, something the other day and she's like, "How does it feel weird that you used to get arrested and now they the same people pay you? And he's like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I remember at the time he was spray painting and no one gave a shit because no one was around and he was like waiting for me to get off work and I just remember being like, poor chap's getting arrested. I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. And it was like two o'clock in the morning and uh-huh. what had happened was just like a weird, there was a domestic abuse call and the cops kind of, thought he was the person <laughs> and you know it was like 2007 or 8 so he heard somebody creeping up on him so he ran because mm-hmm. that's what you you know you get robbed here so yeah. you run <laughs> yeah. you know and he was like oh these are cops so he like caught a glimpse like why are cops chasing me so he stopped and they tackled him they're like well, why are you chasing me and they're like you're painting on a wall there was a domestic <laughs> abuse and I was like what are you talking about <laughs> so after that I'm like this is nonsense and a lot of money mm-hmm. like his fine was more than some guy that picked up a hooker on the same street. Jesus. Whoa. Yeah. So now it's like hilarious yeah, to think yeah. about because our town has changed so much. But I was like, well, why can't we get developers to give us money to paint on these walls? And I was very idealistic. So I just like knocked on their door and said, hey, <laughs> I have this idea. And everyone said no to me for like six years. Mm-hmm. I don't it's not not spending money on art. And then basically Hurricane Sandy happened and there were all the wooden panels. So I was like, well. Here's the deal. You can either look like you're in progress, a work in progress, or this is intentional. And so um, Madison Marquette was like, you're right. We should do a real project. And that was it. But I think it was the catalyst was seeing how easy it was when Shepard came to town to do it. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, that's a mural. Because I think it's like Asbury Park is all about hand-holding. Because if you haven't had that experience, you're ultimately going to say no, which is back to our – if you never say no, then you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff in the world. So in our town, it seems like people are apt to say no first and then yes. Oh, yeah. So if you hold their hand and show them it's not painful and not weird and stuff, they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. That's what you're talking about because everybody has a different conception of what something is, right. especially if you're not a visual person or an art person. Um, so now it's like, you know, it's funny to me that to think at one point they, you know, poor dog got <laughs> Well, and it's it's like you see so many pictures. It's uh, crazy. People take pictures in front of like, like the one that sticks out to me is, is James Vance's like so numbers. Cool, like right? people always take pictures in front of that one and all the other ones weddings Has all the time. Has he been on here yet? He, he, you know, I, I... He'd be great. I think so. I think he'd so. He'd be great, man. He, he lived through all that cool shit yeah. in the, the New York days. Oh, my God. So, like, and, and you know, it's so what funny. He told me, he told me he, he doesn't have the voice for it right now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'll the per- yeah. perfect. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, it's... I never, I can't say that I curated it for that intention, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think it was just cool to have a... a I think the visual of having an art gallery near the beach is pretty wild. And, you know, now that I see, like, brides fighting over which mural they're going to think, I'm like, again, I've done something that makes everybody money but myself. (laughs) 
That's got to be a skill set. You got to study your human design <laughs> and see what like what that what that's all about. Cool, right? uh, yeah, yeah, my, my wife. friend teaches it. Oh, really? Yeah, Locally? and I'm like, no, in in Oakland. Oh, okay. I feel like it's big there. Like uh-huh. when I when we have artists coming from Oakland, they're like, "Have you done your human design?" I'm like, "What is everybody asking <laughs> did me?" Did you about? do your? No, because oh. I get confused. <laughs> I just did your wife know how to? Yeah, she did. She did my chart and like put it all together and then so like. What did you learn? Um, I have to like. Do you know what this is? No, I have no idea. You're what like you're about. off the rails. Yeah, guys. it's you're based on like uh, astrology and the I Ching and yeah. other stuff. But uh, I learned that like when I decide on things, I have to um, ask myself a question or ask the universe a question and then kind of sleep on it and then like wake up and wait That's for great. the answer. Does that yeah. work? Uh, it does when you follow. Oh, I mean, it does. I think it does. I'm I'm totally like you know my 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 wife is way more spiritual and and got me into more things of like, that nature. Like, is she nature. doing, like, a super moon thing tonight? Like, is um, she that she, kind of spiritual? She keeps, yeah, she, she's, we're, I think we are doing something. We're going to write out our intentions and then burn them or something Ooh. like that. It's a huge <laughs> thing, though. It's a super moon. Yeah. It's the last two. She's, so, she's showing me so What are so you many... doing tonight? Uh, I'm going to write out my intentions yeah. and burn them. And burn them. the super yes. moon. Because <laughs> you get to burn yeah. shit, and you get to be like, I hate this. Take care of it. I was just going to watch Netflix, but uh, <laughs> now I might have to write now. some intentions and burn yeah. them. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing where I was so reluctant when I first met her. Everybody is, because they're like, what are you doing? Yeah, and like I was when, when we first met, she first didn't want to date me because all my dating profile I had atheists which I'm not an atheist but at the time I was bitter. just funny yeah I was like <laughs> screw it I'm miserable I'm an atheist but uh you know uh, so like she wasn't sure about me I wasn't sure about her but everything that she's introduced me to it's like people that do it are most like are happy I have to read you the, the text I got from my mother today <laughs> ready see a whole new segment Text from my mom. Mm-hmm. This is great. You should do text from your mom. <laughs> Happy first day of spring. Tonight is the last supermoon of the year. Moon rises 708. Make sure to check it out. The moon illusion, what makes it appear even larger, is notice when the moon is running over the horizon. So check moonrise time for your zip code. This is to me and my brother and my sister. <laughs> and is rising in the sign of Libra with a focus on relationship, partnerships, and personal wealth. Just for your intentions. I'm playing the Powerball tonight. What are you doing? I'm so happy we all made it through the winter. <laughs> That's gonna be the what the text that your wife sends to your future children. Yeah, yep, that's definitely totally. so. Like on the way here, I was like, okay, so I'm gonna have dinner, and then I maybe I should go to the beach for the intentions there, like that kind of stuff. So you were raised in like a yeah. super hippie spiritual oh, kind of yeah. Like are all are your siblings like did they did any of them go like the opposite way where they're like staunch like um not really but kind of I'm definitely the only one. I'm the oldest so I'm definitely like they practiced enough on me <laughs> like my parents would meditate when I was young and they'd be like just so you know it's mom and daddy's time they're gonna look like strange to you just don't talk to me (laughs) and they would meditate and I'm like okay and then like if I would get in trouble or whatever they'd be like oh your biorhythms are really off today for your physical I should have told you that before you went to school be careful in gym class like that sort of stuff (laughs) so like oh what crystals you know like if my plants aren't working she's like what crystals are next to your plants I'm like oh and it's like you want to fight it, and I was like a punk kid, and I was like, wow. And then it's like, oh, here I am, right where I started. I'm reading a super moon, my, my super moon intentions on an air, you know. So we got to get some, like, yeah, we got to get a human design expert in here. No, that, it's so fascinating yeah, it's to me. You're going to have to read about it because I was kind of like, yeah. And then you read about it, and you're like, oh. It's pretty cool. We have all these books now in the house. And it's know. hard, though. I feel like it's hard to get to the core of like, 
you need like yeah you need some time to go over it and it sucks for my my brother on his birth certificate he doesn't have the time that sucks because you yeah. can't do your chart you no. can't do anything without that no. so like i had to hunt that down but uh you like, know put it this way i was born at home uh-huh. um a harry krishna delivered me because they were afraid if i if, if something happened at least there'd be some sort of spiritual person there so I didn't have a birth certificate until I was like 16. Oh, wow. Because they were like, well, she was born at home. She home was birth. born at home. Yeah. Big, uh, I'm, I'm. Now a... it is, but. Yeah. Like I've been, I've never been inoculated, like all that stuff. Oh, uh, wow. So, yeah. Wow. I wasn't allowed to eat anything white my whole mm. childhood. Wait, why not? Well, think about what white things are. White like flour. Potatoes? No, because it's too starchy. Uh-huh. No dairy. Bread? No bread. Well, millet bread. Okay. I know. <laughs> This explains everything. Now it all Does makes it make sense. Does it make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Never Home saying birth. no. <laughs> Always saying yes. <laughs> Not having fear. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you know, to meet other people that are aligned with you, you're like, what are you doing this super? Well, now it's acceptable. Everybody's a witch now. So uh, yeah. for a long time, I'd be like, I'm not talking about it. Like, I'm just going to keep it to myself. I, I would like burn in secret. <laughs> I just kind of want to watch you all do it. You got, yeah. well, you, got to, you got to participate. No. We can have one if you like. I don't even know what an intention is. An intention? Oh, that's great. What are you saying? What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Okay, so let's let's break it down. So there is a, a belief that the, it, during certain periods of the year that the moon can help you with obstacles. So say you're like, I'm having a really hard time adjusting to this and that. You can say, I would my I would give my intention to the moon to remove this obstacle from my life, and then you would articulate what that obstacle is, and if you burn it, it is releasing it to the universe to make that happen for you. Okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> uh-huh. I think that was great. I'm glad we have that recorded so I could listen back to it and be <laughs> yeah. like, "Huh, that's a perfect way of." Explaining I mean, I it. do it very simply, as if I was talking to you, dear Supermoon. I'm having a really hard time with my relationship with money, and since. You are helping us with personal growth. I would really appreciate for you to help me find $2 million so I can open a private club. Boom. I, I want that to be my intention for you as well. Great. So you can make that intention tonight for me. Can I just text it to the moon? Yes, you can text okay, it go. to the moon. You absolutely can text it I just it need to the, the number. <laughs> <laughs> or tweet it to at moon. Yes, exactly. exactly. Wow. Why Perfect. isn't that there? Why don't we have that? We you might have just actually thought of something, yeah. really. You might have just created something, right? At intentions for the moon. Because, like, kids in technology aren't going to want to do the, like, ritual of the burning and the paper and touching paper and stuff. They can just use their phone to do the intentions. But yeah. what do you do with the phone, then? You burn it. Or you erase the text. There you go. Mm. Man, I'm telling you, you have just started something. Yeah, you're onto something, Leo. So I'm you're not, a visionary. I'm, I'm not going to make any money just because... Why to fall? My energy's already messed you up. Right, yeah. <laughs> so just, what's... Are you just kind of? <laughs> are you just like? Are you just leaving uh, the possibilities open to the universe? Yep. Like, what do you see on the horizon? Just, just new things coming and new adventure. Well, my newest thing is this. Well, the newest, newest thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a new thing. If, I should have brought you my notebooks because uh, they're insane. Oh yeah. It's like the private clubs thing, the this thing, uh-huh. the this thing, and I write my intentions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I think that the most current thing is that uh, Porkchop and I are curating the carousel oh, cool. with um, artists that are going to come into town from all over the country. Oh, we right have on. a girl coming from Japan that's going to do a, a mural. When does that start? Um, whenever it gets warm enough because oh, cool. it's really cold out oh, there yeah. still. But yeah. that's going to be cool because uh, basically um, 
I have this big plan. I want to do a conceptual carousel house, which mm-hmm. is basically like now you go to towns and there's like in Chicago, I think it's the cows. Mm-hmm. So I want to oh, yeah. I want to cast car- carousel horses and uh, like give them to different artists and then put them all together in the carousel. Have musicians make calliope music, make fiber artists make the, the shape mm-hmm. but you know it all comes down to money <laughs> i realized how much that costs and pricing it out i'm like oh so that's another thing that comes down to money you uh, know um, yeah so in the interim since i don't have that kind of money they've been madison's been kind enough to be like hey as long as you upkeep the place and um you know make sure that there's something fun for people to do that's free that's cool so cool last year he did um we did we curated a the last two months of it, Mike Sean came in from California. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a collaborative mural. He made a weird jellyfish that hung from the ceiling that moved. Then we had another artist from Italy who did really beautiful banners, and she put hers up. And so when you walked in, it was just confusing because you're like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing in here. And you just That's see people perfect. walk around like, <laughs> I want to be in here. It feels good. I just don't know why. So I feel like this year we have to, like, People like purpose, and they don't understand just walking into a place to just have a moment. And mm-hmm. I don't know why, but like we sit on the beach and have moments, right? right? Some people can sit on the beach and just look at it. Some people are like, I can't sit on the beach. I got to play in it, you know? Or So I think that's very indicative of like what's going on now. Everybody's so constantly like no curiosity. Everything's spelled out for them so that when they stumble across something that's like, I didn't see this advertised. What's this? You know, they're like. I don't understand. Do I walk in? <laughs> I think, though, that goes more to expectation. Like, everybody, what is your expectation for me when I walk into this place? Yeah. Because if I know that there is none. Yeah, there's none. But that's never. When is that ever the thing that mm-hmm. you nobody, somebody's always trying to sell you something or tell you about something yeah, or yeah. direct you or get your attention in this space, there's none of that. Yeah. And so I think if that was known more, people would be yeah. a little bit easier to get into that. Yeah. I would love to be able to take a space and make it, I don't know if you guys know what Meow Wolf is, but it's yeah. basically um, uh, art installation. It's all artists. They all donate. Well, they now get paid, but they um, make this, it's kind of like an adult fun house. You don't know what you're doing there. You just know you're walking through it and you're engaging with this art and stuff. And I would love to do something like that here because I feel like what happens, I have to wait in line and get a reservation at a restaurant. I'm going into this bar. I have to have this outfit on. Like, there's nothing like you're saying, which is just like, just be here. Yeah. Like, not to be... Like, <laughs> it's too late. I know it. it's we're too far gone. But like be in the here in the now. You right. know what I mean? Like just exist, hang out, check it out. Like people don't understand that. They're like, I, I feel like I the one nice thing is people are like, I feel like I should give you something and I'm like, we could barter. And they're like, uh <laughs> you know? It's, so that's kinda cool to see people confused. Because yeah. <laughs> I I hope that it like changes their day. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's like if people are going to be curious, then I'll give them a chances to be curious because what kind of world do we live in if we're not curious? So you're saying that the next time that I'm walking up and down Cookman, which is almost every day since I live two blocks away. Where do you live? Um, I live in Marble Towers. Oh, cool. Yeah. You live. Oh, the- no, I shouldn't have said that on the air. <laughs> you live <laughs> in the Dark Star. Now I have. I should do. Now they know my phone number. They know where I live. We can stalk you in that uh, huge thing. Yeah, they'll find When Ralph answer. told me you lived there, I'm like, dude, that's like the thing in the, 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 the huge, that, that huge Death Star in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I tried is. to make it fancy. Is it fancy? It's they fancier. gave up on making it Did they? Yeah. I was like, I want to go through their junk room. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're good. Are we? Uh, we gotta get. We gotta get out of oh, here. Or what? Oh, I thought you were we still streaming. That's why I was. Yeah, we, no, we are still streaming. <laughs> you can come hang out. Yeah, you come want to hang come. out. I can't. Um, oh. <laughs> 
It's all quiet. <laughs> I'm like, why? You don't have to be quiet. But I bet the junk room there is amazing. That they did start cleaning up to eventually say they say put in a gym, but that hasn't happened yet. Oh. But um, I mean, but uh, so when I'm walking through, you're saying I should just come on into the Paul Gallery. Why haven't you? I, because I'm always thinking, you Why? know, because usually Ralph would say, hey, there's an event. Do you want to come with me? And I'm like, okay, I'll come with you. You can <laughs> come anytime you want. I mean, openings are hilarious. People pretend like they were there to see art, and they're not. They're I there always to get think, booze. I see you, like, I'll see you sitting. I'll walk by. I'll see you sitting there. I just well, assume like, you're doing something. I'm never doing anything. <laughs> what do you do? You go down to, um, what's the thing that you'd go down to in Miami? Oh, yeah. We go, um, every year we do a booth at the art fairs in Miami. Mm-hmm. So basically, once a year, the whole whole art world sort of ascends upon Miami Beach. It started with two, one big fair that is now branched off into 17 satellite fairs, mm-hmm. which is wild to be around. Just a bunch of art. Oh my God. People. It is crazy. Well, just artsy people, people, it's like become the, the music festival of uh-huh. the art world because it's like everybody, because now the selfie community or not community, like everybody wants to take selfies. So they'll pay to get into these art fairs just to take selfies in front of art, which uh-huh. is like. Why are you in front of the art? Why do you think you need take to a, take your picture in front of the take art? Take a picture of the art, not of you in I front of the art. I just don't understand it. Like, it, I'll never understand it. I'm just like, why? Why? There's an image in front of you. Enjoy it. Yeah. Like, it and so that's wild and sort of um, inspirational to see what people do with public art. It's mm-hmm. really like when, when a town invests in that sort of idea of like, we are going to be an artsy town and we're going to donate this part of the property to this, it's pretty rad. It's yeah. Like, so do you go down there and like, is, <clears> it, is it more. Do you go down there to, more to find artists or to let artists know about your gallery? Like, how does that work? I mean, what basically what happens is you go down there and you're in hopes that because so in six days we will see more people mm-hmm. come through these fairs because it's like a convention hall. Essentially, it's a tent on the beach mm-hmm. with 200 galleries from all over the world. And you'll have more people in that week than we'll have all year in Asbury Park. Uh-huh. I think I counted last week we had 16 people come in the gallery in 40 uh-huh. hours. So you know you have to do something, and they're so expensive, you kind of have to pick and choose which one to do. Miami seems to be the biggest. It's also hard to then to get attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last two years we've been taking Porkchop's work down because he's doing this sort of esoteric work that I think in inside of the whole aspect of like a lot of people selling like derivative pop art it's really interesting to come across something you don't understand Mm -hmm. so then it lends itself to what is this and what are you doing and where are you at and i can't tell you how many people don't know asbury park really wow and i was like it's kind of nice and no one knows it Mm -hmm. they're like that well i mean the people that do either know it because danny devito is from here yeah or bruce springsteen i didn't even know danny devito was from here oh yeah he lives on he lived on second avenue boom I know Wendy Williams is from here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, poor Wendy Williams. I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, I just read about that today. That's so sad. She's taking care of herself, though. But at least she's taking care of But so sad. Yeah, my, my, I, I don't, like, it's so funny. I talked <laughs> to my, my, uh, my <laughs> dad. has to talk about everything. <laughs> my dad was so, like, he, he, I, you know, he's retired. He sits at home, he watches TV, and he started watching Wendy Williams, and he was really, he's like, she's off the air. I don't know why. Like, she used to be on there every Aww. day. How you doing? That's so sweet. And then I read about it today. I'm like, wow. I hope she takes she's taking care of herself. I know. You know? Jack Nicholson is from Neptune City. I didn't know that. There's yeah. so many like famous people from It's the Vortex. It's the Vortex. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I knew more about it. Crispin oh. Glover told me something else about it too. When That's he, another one. Did you I'm go like, to that? I didn't know. I didn't oh my go god. To... That was literally Is he the... just always on? Like is he just always just He that character that you see of him, McFly, uh-huh. or what you see in American Gods is that is Crispin Glover. That's like wild. 
when I emailed him about do it, or I at that point I emailed him to see if he would bring his movie to Asbury Park, mm-hmm. and he said yes because he's such a theater aficionado that he asked me what kind of cameras were in it since it was a vaudevillian theater or projectors Mm -hmm. and at the time the baronet had arc light projectors which is basically that's what lit the cameras like a light Mm -hmm. like a fire inside of it so when i told him that he was like absolutely and so then (laughs) that's what got him yeah (laughs) and so i had told the developers at the time like it was in an active theater i was like i'll go to the city and get an occupancy for the weekend i'll clean it up i'll do this i'll do that and they were like, cool. And I had to find somebody to run the projectors because they were so old. But <laughs> this, is, this is so terrible, but I'll tell the story really quickly. But um, we couldn't get the projectors to work. I was sitting there with Crispin Glover, who basically I had two friends that were super fans of him. So they picked him up at the airport. And then when they, they were holding a sign for him, like all, and he was like, hello, ladies. And they're like, hello, Crispin. And he put his bag down and looked at them and made them carry his <laughs> Yes. That's what you do. And then he got in the back seat. And the, you, you, you'll sit in the front, right? And they're like, yeah, we'll sit in the front and drive you to Asbury Park. <laughs> and so when I said, how'd it go? How was he? And they're like, crush over. <laughs> and I was like, he's just from a different time and place. Like, you know, like he's had a different experience. I mean, I think he dates like some sort of royalty from Czechoslovakia or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like <laughs> if you look at his Instagram, it's he's like in a castle with like what peacocks and stuff. Yeah. So... <laughs> So basically, we I was sitting in the, the baronet with Crispin Glover, this older gentleman that's like a blue-collar guy with, I like to remember him with a cigarette coming out of his mouth, <laughs> who was running the projectors. And then one of the, like, suits from Madison Marquette, and we're all like, How, how's it going? How's it good? I'm like, oh, it's going good. I can't get the projectors working. He's, like, pacing. And then all of a sudden, the guy goes, I think I got it. And he went upstairs, and he clicked it on. And it the theater illuminated. I was like, yes, the, it's working. And there's a scene in one of his movies where a paraplegic boy is have is masturbating in a clamshell. Okay. And that was the scene that came up <laughs> in front of all of us. Madison Marquette. And I just turned around and walked out. Because <laughs> I didn't, like, I, I am at a loss of words, and I'm never at a loss of words, ever. And so that became the three-day journey with Crispin Glover. He made me pay him up front for everything because he believes in the curse of the vaudevillian if you don't get paid before the show goes on, something could happen to the show. Mm-hmm. So I had to pay him up front. He had to eat red clam sushi for lunch every day that he was here. So I had to find a restaurant that had red clam sushi in 2008. Uh, good luck. <laughs> he had four papers he had to read before he started his day. He had to eat in silence. Like, Whoa. Uh, authentically the most bizarre, wonderful, strange human being I've ever met. That's crazy. Yeah. But I was like, oh, yeah, we had Crispin Glover in this abandoned theater, and he did a Q&A for two and a half hours. Oh, man. For yeah. his movie. That was one of the, uh, you know, knocking that down, then then the fast lane. Like, it, it just all kind of just started, you know. Yeah. But it's time for some new stuff, yeah. you know. So I'm glad that you came yeah. in. So, you know, it took took a while for us to, to converge. Yeah. Uh, but I'm so glad yeah. that we did. Awesome. And, you know, I really think that, you did so much for the town, like you did so much for the culture around here. So I appreciate you. Oh, that's so that. sweet. I appreciate <laughs> you because if I didn't have people that cared, then it wouldn't have mattered anyway. It's, there you go. It's just one of those things that I feel like if you live your truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you do what you really want to do, like people will appreciate it. And ultimately it's infectious and people will do go along for the trip with you. Hell yeah. All right. That's great. We got to get this one on board. <laughs>
We gotta burn I, some intentions. But I will at least go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do? We have. We'll have to plan for like a late night intention, moon intention. Oh thing. yeah. There's got to be like more of us that are like. Oh yeah. There's tons of weirdos all all around. Still. That is true. There are tons of weirdos all around. We'll, we'll bring you to our side. All right. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, awesome. That's the podcast. Yeah. Uh, let me. It's so uh, fun. Let me. Uh, I'll put the theme. Oh, Parlor Gallery, Cookman Avenue. Oh yeah, Parlor Gallery. <laughs> yeah. I will be Why passing don't you by. Come in? Oh well, now you're gonna see me all the time. Oh good, you should. You should see them. I have lots of fun visitors. You'll uh, be like, oh, this is what you do. Yeah, all day? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, totally. Mm. Oh, this go. is so fun. <laughs> well, thank you again, Jenny Hampton. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. That was great. Thank I learned so Leo. much every week. Uh, do thank you, you Kristen. It's a great show. Uh, thank you. Uh, Ming, Thanks obviously. for missing it, Ming. Yeah. Oh, Hope you're having fun there, Mr. Hollywood. I'm going to text hey, him. Thanks a, a lot. Take dude. a button. <laughs> oh, I will. I love uh, that. And c- please come back. Like, there's I so will. much more I feel like we could talk about. Like, we've kind of covered, like, you know, the stuff that's happened, but there's stuff happening. I feel oh, like there yeah. is, like, there's a lot, there's a lot to, you know, to talk about. And I can always do my sex positive podcast for you. Exactly. You know, we, we could have, have a, a whole... sex positive episode. Oh, definitely. With Juicy Jen. There you go. With Juicy Jen. <laughs> I have no idea what sex positive is. Is. I'm just thinking it's good oh. sex. Just positive Pretty sex, sex not gross sex. I well. think it's like what talking about stuff that in the past people would have a negative connotation. So yeah. just being positive about sex. Yeah. yeah, why shouldn't you? All right, we'll do that. Right on. There you go. All right, cool. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Oh, it feels, the world sounds so much nicer in here. Why I know, is that? Right? I don't know. Uh, so you guys knew each other before.